Hello, and welcome to the J&J Podcast from J&J Editorial. My name is Michael Casp, and I'm the Director of Business Development here at J&J. Today, I'm joined by two of my favorite people in scholarly publishing, and I'm not just saying that because they're my bosses. With me today are the senior partners at J&J, the J's of J&J, Jennifer Deaton and Julie Nash. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Michael. Thanks. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you guys on the show today. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of conference season, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And also just to get to know you, since you guys are so involved in scholarly publishing and uh, my life at J&J. So, Jen, let's start with you. Jennifer Deaton, senior partner at J&J, member of the CSE Board of Directors. How was the most recent CSE meeting in New Orleans? It was great. We actually had a a really high turnout. We had over 450 attendees, which is a great number for CSE. Um, We had a very invigorating keynote speaker, um, lots of really productive sessions, and we had a very productive board of directors meeting following the annual meeting. And it was uh, a really, a really great show from our new president, Anna Jester. Congratulations to her. And she will be communicating back decisions from the board shortly. Great. Um, so, Julie, uh, let's talk to you a second. Julie Nash, senior Hi. partner at J&J, president of ISMTE. So tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with ISMTE right now. Sure, Michael, thanks. Um, so we just had our, well, it seemed like just, we had our ISMTE meeting in Singapore back in March. And we had a smaller group this year, but a very um, great audience. Everyone was really engaged and, and enjoyed the meeting. We had a lot of good speakers on many different topics. We had a great session on preprints. Um, We had some folks that reviewed uh, the conference, the Peer Review Congress from last year, which was really interesting. So great meeting there. And we're getting ready for our Baltimore meeting. And um, J&J's Michelle English is chairing that again this year. And so we'll be in Baltimore in August. So we're very excited about that. Great. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Okay, let's get to know you guys a little bit more. So we know a little bit about your uh, scholarly present. So let's learn a little bit about your past. So... uh, Yeah, if you guys wouldn't mind telling me, what did you do before you were here at J&J or before you started J&J? I actually was a grad student at Duke, and I happened to be working in the public affairs department of the North Carolina Medical Board, um, which was definitely a very interesting position and something that I was really focused on growing within until this opportunity uh, for publishing kind of fell into my lap like it does for most people. Um, the good the good thing for me was a lot of the skills that I learned at the medical board really translated into being a managing editor. So it was a very helpful background, um, somewhat related, but, but as most people find, not a lot of industries are exactly like this industry. So I had the same kind of experience. Sure. So I, uh, after graduating from college, I worked as a journalist, actually, in Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, and then finally North Carolina. Um, and once I got here, I was enjoying what I was doing, but decided I kind of wanted to look for something different. So I found an advertisement through the same graduate program that Jen's in um, for an editorial assistant for a journal, which was arthritis and rheumatism. Um, I applied for the job. I met Jen, um, got the job, and then, you know, the rest is history, kind of where we are now. Right, so you guys just got the got jobs together with arthritis and rheumatism. We happened to be in the same graduate program, and we happened to get jobs together, both completely separate. Wow. We did. We did not know each. We other did not know this. each other before then. So, wow. Yeah. So that That's was back crazy. in two thousand. So. Wow. Cool. So, 
So you worked there for a while and, and eventually you decided to start J&J. So when was that and how, how did that come about, this idea to start a company about what you guys were doing? Sure. So after the editorship with arthritis and rheumatism at, at Duke, um, that ended in 20, uh, or 2005. And um, we decided to continue to work on the journal from home. The editor was in New York at the time and he was kind of one of the early adopters to that whole work from home remote office idea. So he... You know, he took us on, so we started taking on additional journals as everything was going online. Um, we had more time. And then both of us kind of decided that the working from home in isolation from our kitchen tables wasn't exactly what we wanted to do. So um, we and we also at the same time decided that we needed some help with the journal projects that we had. So we didn't feel comfortable hiring a whole bunch of people remotely and continuing ourselves to work remotely. So we rented office space and then we, um, in 2008, we started an LLC, which is J&J. So that was kind of the planning that went into that. Wow, that, that's pretty crazy. And in only 10 short years, uh, J&J has grown to be quite a, a force, I think, in scholarly publishing. We do a lot. We have uh, about 130 employees at last count and growing. So uh, that's pretty impressive. So did you envision J&J becoming what it is today or, or what did you envision it uh, when you were starting it? I, I can't say that we did envision this. Um, we both have a very strong entrepreneurial spirit and, and work ethic. And we also both really, you know, we've, we've worked in other work environments. We really wanted to create one that was not just mom friendly, but family friendly, friendly to dads as well, because that was something that was important to us. So, so really, our driving force was to, were, it was to be professionals and have work life balance, and and have ownership in what it is that we do. And we didn't just want that for ourselves; we wanted that for our employees. And I think one of the biggest successes of J and J really isn't that you can work from home two days a week, or that. We do have nursing rooms on every floor or that we have a good maternity plan. All those things are important, but a lot of companies do that. I think it. I think it's the buy-in that everybody here has in the company, and it's the entrepreneurial spirit that really takes a hold of people, and we've just been fortunate enough to meet up with a lot of people with that spirit and, and commitment and, and investment in this company, and I think that's the key to the success that we've had. Um, so have you been surprised by the growth that you've seen? <laughs> I mean, it's it's... It's happened. I mean, it, whatever you're you're doing, people seem to uh, to like. So, has it surprised you how much J and J has grown over the years? Uh, yes, <laughs> very surprised. Um, so, we didn't go into this thinking that we would have more than a hundred employees and that we would have hundreds of journals just within ten years. Um, you know, honestly, it, we have an awesome team that allowed us to grow to make this happen. We wouldn't be here uh, where we are today without our management team and our awesome staff. Um, we have several people who started with us way back in um, 2008 and 2009 who are still with us today. Um, and I think that's that's just a testament to the fact that we're you know growing smartly um, and that people who have been here are, are willing to continue that ride with us. And it's exciting, I think, for a lot of people to see something that was um, you know, just kind of a really small mom and pop operation grow to something that's, you know, much more of a force in the industry. 
Yeah, it's certainly been uh, great for me. Uh, I've, I've really appreciated the opportunity that I've had here and just being able to see it grow. I've been here for about um, coming up on seven years, I think. And, and just to see where we were at when I started, where we had, I don't know, maybe 20 people, maybe not even that many, to, to what it is now, it's, it's kind of amazing. I have a hard time believing it. Um, so I wanted to ask, though, what are some of the unexpected challenges you guys have run up against uh, over the years? Um, something you just never would have guessed you would have had to deal with as a part of this. Well, you know, I think that the, the expected answer is to talk about the personalities of editors-in-chief or publishers or clients. And we've certainly dealt with every every personality type, every story that, you know, a group of managing editors can tell. Somebody in, in this organization has had that issue. But I think from the standpoint um, of a senior partner, I, I starting in as a managing editor, I didn't expect to hit so many points of fear. And they all stem from growing a company and being responsible for the livelihoods and the professions of so many people. At first, you know, Julie and I have always been very focused on our reputation. And if somebody said something that didn't fly by me and my name was on it, I, I, I do not like that. And I mean, I would expect the professionals here to feel the same way about us. So it's kind of a huge responsibility um, for their being responsible in some ways for their professional development. Um, the longevity of their career, the benefits, buying into the health insurance market took years off my life. Um, <laughs> and I know Julie can talk about the yeah. enormous responsibility of payroll. Yeah, I, that, Michael, that's what I was going to say was is that I think the responsibility that we have to our employees, and I think in a lot of ways we we feel like as, as responsible for them as we do for our own children. And I think that, you know, you have the pressure of making sure our clients pay on time, that our health care package, as Jen alluded to, is compatible. Competitive, um, that we're creating a good work environment. And all of that doesn't just impact Jen and I, and, and it impacts so many more people now. So I think, you know, living with that responsibility has been sort of an unexpected challenge. It's not when somebody asks kind of what you do every day, you know, you can't really put that responsibility in a job description as to what it kind of means. But I do think it's, it's you know, a big deal of what Jen and I do is just being responsible for everybody here. Yeah, no, that's, that's, pretty impressive uh, weight that you guys carry because um, I mean I, I shoulder a little bit of it you know yeah. in, in my role but I'm not you know the leader of the entire company so um, yeah no that's a lot and we definitely appreciate it thanks guys and, and I would just add to um, having said all that it's very rewarding yes it's it's definitely um, I feel like I've had the opportunity to go places experience things and be challenged in ways that I would not have been had I taken a different turn back when I was 25. So it's it's stressful, but it is also rewarding. Great. Well, I, I wanted to touch on something that you both have talked about here in that. So J&J, it, it seems like you guys have always made an effort to try and make it family friendly. You know, we want to promote a work-life balance. And, and I know you both are mothers. And I wanted to see sort of how you guys find that work-life balance. You both seem crazy busy all the time. So, so how do you, you know, find a balance in your lives? 
We are crazy busy all the time. <laughs> yeah, can I pass this to Julie? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think to your question, Michael, I think work-life balance is different for everybody. Like what their threshold is is different. But as Jen said earlier, I think it's the flexibility that allows for people to be able to do both. So, and I think that we want to encourage everybody to be able to not just do an excellent job at J&J, but be good people and have good hobbies and outside life that they're not so just work focused. Um, you know, I think it's important to Jen and I that we get to go to, you know, different events for our kids, my daughter's award ceremony, my son's track meet, like anything like that. So not, but not just that we get to do that. We want our staff to be able to do that as well and feel that they have the freedom to do that. And I don't think, you know, Jane is unique in that, but it is a value that's important to us. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, for me personally, I do work a lot um, and I have made a lot of sacrifices, as has Julie, but I don't subscribe to the mommy blogs and, you know, what a woman should be doing or how she should be role modeling for, for her children. So to me, I just know I have a lot of quality time with my kids and it's it's more important to me that I'm setting that role model for my three daughters that you can do what you set set out to do and and I also would just say that um, I can speak for us both that we ha both have a lot of great support at home as well so that helps and, and everything's a partnership and we we, we definitely bounce off each other and, and other people here as well. For sure. And I think Jen just mentioning partnership, that's, I mean, we're not each doing this on an island. We have each other and have had each other for the last 18 years mm -hmm. to sort of bounce ideas off of. And I think those kinds of partnerships are rare. So I think that's always been useful for both of us too. So yeah, I, I can totally see that you guys are, make a great team. It seems like finally, just kind of wrapping up here. So you two are our you know, I, th I think successes in the scholarly publishing world. And, and, and so I, I'd wonder if you had any advice for someone, you know, starting out a career in scholarly publishing, what would you tell them? What would you have told yourself, you know, years ago? Sure. So I think if I was starting out now, my piece of advice would be to get involved. And so how you get involved could depend on where you are. So if somebody here who has kind of people around them that do similar things, it could be as simple as just getting involved with people within the office. So learning from people, from peers within within J&J. &J. Um, I think for folks that are out, you know, that might not have that kind of support structure, there are a lot of things online as far as online education, discussion forums, webinars that people can sort of tap into and kind of build an online community. Um, we're really lucky here in the RTP area to have both ISMTE and SSP have very active local groups and act active professional groups that um, meet regularly, offer a lot of networking opportunities, and I think that's another great avenue. Um, certainly, I would say, if the budget allows, go to CSE, SSP, ISMT, the, the, the annual meetings. I think that that's you know, a great opportunity to meet others and just really learn from people who do the same thing you do. Um, you know, Certainly, back when Jen and I started, we were very isolated kind of from the community at large because of sitting at the university and such, but I think that the world has changed a lot since then and there's a lot of you know companies out there that do what we do publishers that you know there's more opportunities for people to kind of have that ability to learn from others within their own yeah areas. I think that's a, that's a great great piece of advice um, I, I've definitely gotten so much out of getting to know peers getting to go to these annual meetings 
you don't know what you don't know. And so getting to you know, to know other people who do something similar, you, you just learn so much every time. So what about you, Jen? What, what kind of advice would you give to an early career professional? I mean, that's definitely the best advice. Um, I, I would just take it to a personal level and, and just say, you know, if, if you're in this industry and you're looking at attending the Council for Science Editors meeting, and you're nervous because you're human, that's normal. Um, I, I was I was quite the shy person the first couple of meetings, um, but eventually I put myself out there a little bit more each time. Um, I, I've won some elections, I've lost some elections. These are the things that happen and you're, you're always professionally gonna be the better for it. And, you know, going from, you know, asking to be simply on a committee with a very squeaky shy voice to, I, two years in a row managing a meeting in China and Singapore. I mean, it, you, you, these opportunities aren't going to fall in your lap. You do have to kind of go out there and, and get them. And everyone that I've worked with and been mentored by in this industry has has kind of the same story. They just had to kind of reach out and grab it. I, kn I know you did as well, Michael. You did that here at J&J &J early on. And if you don't, if you just attend the meetings and absorb it, it's helpful. But I think you have to use that networking that is there for you to to learn and grow and experience things. That's, that's exceptional advice, yeah. And I think everybody could benefit from it. So thank you both for joining me today. Um, thank you. Uh, I hope yeah, this was you. fun for you. So we'll be out next week at SSP. So that'll be May 30th to June 1st. We'll have a booth down on the trade show floor. Uh, so come and see us uh, if you're there in Chicago. And a special shout out to J&J's own Megan McCarty, who won the SSP Early Career Fellowship. Uh, so they're funding her visit to the SSP annual meeting. Thank you to Jennifer Deaton and Julie Nash. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Just uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at JJ Editorial or uh, visit us online at jjeditorial.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time. <laughs>